Welcome to the Yogi Therapist Podcast, where we talk all things mental health, personal growth, and spiritual development. I'm your host, Rachel, a psychotherapist and yoga teacher based in Sydney. This is your space to gain new insights and tools so that you can live a life that feels aligned and meaningful. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Yogi Therapist Podcast. I am so excited for this next episode. Um, Today, I am joined by social impact entrepreneur Mia Boya. Mia and I have known each other for a long, long time. And not only do I admire her for, you know, her friendship and, and who she is as a person, what I really admire about her is the way that she has managed to make her work so meaningful and successful. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at the importance of having a job that feels like it really adds something to your life and adds something to the world. And I think Mia is just the perfect person to unpack this with. So I'm so excited to have you here today, Mia. So I thought I would start by just handing it over to you and allowing you to introduce yourself to people, where you are now, where you've been before, you know, let people get a sense of of who you are. Oh, thanks, Rach. Yeah, I've always been on a mission since I've been really young and I've seen work as an opportunity to express yourself and explore yourself and be on a quest. Um, I, I get confused when people think work is a grind and, of course, some parts are. Sometimes it's quite boring and sometimes you don't have the options. But I love when work becomes a journey and a quest to explore yourself and give back to the world. And I find that formula is so important for a happy life. So Mm -hmm. I started off my career working in corporate. So doing um, social media for Microsoft, Xbox, Ogilvy and a few corporate brands. And then one day I listened to a podcast that changed my life. Um, It was a company called Plastics for Change. They They were being... Uh, they were being interviewed about their incredible work in India where they were using plastic waste collection to provide livelihoods for people that were below the below the cycle of poverty. Mm-hmm. And within three weeks, I had moved to India. I had, yeah, pretty much given up whatever I was doing because sometimes an opportunity, or well, I created the opportunity because I've stalked down this guy. <laughs> It just arrived at my door after like 10 hours of Googling. (laughs) Sometimes you hear about things and uh, something impacts you and you feel it in your whole body and just know that you're meant to be there. You get the tingles, you get the focus, you get the excitement and you you have to follow that. So um, I moved to India, lived there for almost two years. Mm. During that time, we launched the world's first fair trade plastic, which is insane we were a tiny team of seven um there's fair trade coffee there's lots of different fair trade it basically means that people um have non-corrupt um supply chains and the people are treated well they're paid well mm-hmm. and the plastic industry is ripe with corruption there's the plastic mafia there's um lots of people that are getting undercut so a fair trade certification is huge and anyway so it was just amazing and i got sent to mit to talk about the plastic oh, way had this in had this amazing journey and then after that that actually was the catalyst um to start my company one earth marketing which is mm-hmm. an online advocacy social media 
campaigning company that helps um, organizations like the United Nations, the World Bank. Just casually. Some, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Projects, but, um, but then a lot of other disability brands, yeah. refugee support, um, anything you can think of that is needed to be communicated in the world, One Earth Marketing mm. does. Mm-hmm. And it's been an amazing journey. And now in this random jewelry office, um, I'm actually <laughs> living and working in Bali. So I moved over here after a long period of trying to explore myself as I usually do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm working with um, Bali Animal Welfare Association and we take care of um almost 400 street dogs under our care at the moment. Um, We have a rescue team. We have babies vaccination programs. We have a bunch of different vets and I'm here helping them with fundraising and communication. So it's all just like everything I've been really interested in and I'm interested in real problems. So Mm. plastic, street dogs, refugees, I'm interested in these really nitty-gritty problems that are complex that aren't just like, hey, you didn't do this Canva graphic properly. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so I like to go in, um, be on the ground, work in developing countries and Mm. amongst it. So, yeah, feeling very blessed. There's so much in that that I love that I think I really want to tease apart throughout our episode today. And the first is this, the way that you described your response to seeing um, the job opportunity in India. You know, it wasn't necessarily from what you were saying, it wasn't that you thought about it and it was the money was good or it made sense to go over or it was a good career changer or whatever. It was, I felt tingly. I felt excited. It did something in my body and that's how I knew that it was right. It kind of sounds like it was this real intuitive, deep response that wasn't really about what makes sense. It was what feels aligned and right for me. Oh, I love that you picked up that part. Yeah, there's this really interesting exercise you can do to sort of find what you're meant to be doing in your life because it's a very big question and it takes a lot of soul searching to find. And some people are like, I'm just going to stick with what I usually mm. do. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources to explore myself. But um, often around the age of 10, you had a moment where you felt empowered outside of your parents. So you had this moment of empowerment where you were like, this is me and I'm in the world and I'm here. And it could be, you know, it could be you've um, gone on a school camp or you started playing an instrument or you or you started selling something at a garage sale. And for me, um, it was it was being on this stage doing drama performances and being in that creative communication, people, mm-hmm. that sort of area and that um and yeah, sort of connecting with people in a, in, mm-hmm. in that sort of way. And then I think back to what I'm doing now and a lot of those qualities, a lot of those deeper, without all of the noise of the outside world, um, it comes back to, yeah, that 10-year-old who's like, hey, I just love performing because I love doing that and mm. I don't think about what's going to make me a bunch of money or what's going to make me do that. And the crazy thing is that that thing that you do that nobody else can do, that's the thing that makes you the most money. And once you clear mm. away all the junk and once you focus on that, that's the thing that actually elevates you above um, the rest of your like competitors because you are a genius at that certain thing. And I'm not a genius. 
<laughs> I'm just taking from that that I love, I just love human interaction. Like yeah. beyond yeah. anything, I'm the most present when it's human interaction. Guys, I can I can absolutely vouch for it. I think I I so know that to be true from mm. like decades of being your friend. I think um I remember Mia and I would go out when we were young and you know, seeing you around people was like watching David Blaine work. Like it was magic. You just had this ability to connect with anyone. I would go to the bathroom and I would come back and you were talking to someone and the way you were talking to them, I would assume that that's like an old friend that you guys ran into. And you're like, no, I just met this person. And then the most interesting person I've ever met, and this is everything about them. And I'm like, how do you do that like this magnetism and this curiosity and also it was so genuine you know I think you genuinely love learning about people I mean you'd make a great therapist I'm not trying to get you to <laughs> change careers on this podcast but you um you're amazing and because of that you can sell people on things you know I've never seen someone be able to rally people to go to the ivy at 3 a.m <laughs> so well you were just you know you yeah it, it's absolutely you know I can see the thread where mm-hmm. what you're doing now really is an extension of who you have always been and what makes you feel most passionate. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, that's so beautiful to hear. And I think actually when you when we were teenagers, you gave me this PDF copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People. Forever my like, favourite book. But Yeah, I know. It's such a lame title, but it was the mm. one thing that made me I didn't read self-help books when I was 13. Who does? But you you obviously do. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is me. This is what I – it was all these things that I had subconsciously been doing, but I didn't know how to sort of put it into practice. And I put it into practice when I was really young. And I I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't need to be the most impressive person and say tell people how great I am. I can just – be interested in them and I can relax a little bit. I can listen to them, be interested in them, learn about them. And then that's actually the way to connection. It isn't by saying, oh, I'm so great. I drive a Ferrari. It's like, if you can be genuinely interested in someone, connect with them, open up a space where they can speak about themselves without getting interrupted it's a really incredible exchange. And I'm not one of those people who's just like listening and mute. I'm still a massive talker and I love, like I feel so present and so connected in conversation and with people and my social battery is so high. I was oh. hanging out with people all weekend and I had one hour alone. And I was like, I, oh, this is such a drag. Guys, <laughs> so- you need to have be on a constant like drip of monster energy drink to keep up with me. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> It, it is a temperament. It is impressive. Um, but you're you're so right. You know, I think when we're thinking about how to connect with people and how to communicate, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It, which is like you don't make people like you by showing them how impressive you are, or how smart you are, or how funny you are. The the simplest trick is to show them that you are interested in them. They actually did this study, which I think was hilarious. Um, most people don't like talking to the person next to them on the plane. And what they did is they they planted someone on the plane just on a short trip, you know, two, three hours. And they got this, this person to just constantly talk to the person next to them. But when talking to them, 
they didn't actually disclose anything about themselves. It would be like, oh, you know, what are you flying to Texas for? Have you been to Texas before? Do you enjoy it? You know, what is it about Texas that you like? Oh, you're here for work? Tell me about work. So it was two, three hours of asking questions, of showing interest. And then, but they never allowed the person to ask them a question back. So it was a very one, you know, they kind of just blow it off if they asked a question and continue to pour back. Anyway, they sent out um, surveys about like, you know, how was your flight, blah, blah, blah. And of the people that responded, you know, when asked, you know, how do you feel about talking to people next to you on the plane? They were like, oh, I love it. I met the most interesting person. The time flew by. They were great. I'd love to, you know, see them again, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they didn't know anything about this person. This person just made them feel interesting for two hours. You know, it's it's such a... um. Such a life hack. <laughs> Ask yeah. questions. Ask good questions. Pause. Reflect. Boom. You know what? It's it's a it's not that hard to listen to people because you are in your head all the time. You're listening to your own bullshit all the time. You yeah. may as well learn something new. Or like mm. every time you're asking questions, it's not like I'm being like, okay, I'm going to get this person to like me. It's like. This person has something interesting about them and I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow as a person just by having this conversation. And even if it's like um, some conversations I've had are just insane and it's it's really opened up my perspective and allowed me to accept people in a new way because there is so many different types of personas I've met in so many different countries. And because of that, when these things crop up or when, um, you know, when there's conflict, I can sort of be quite a medium Switzerland in it all because I've spoken to someone, I've learned their perspective. I I don't live in this um, petri dish of this is my own world and this this is my friend group and this is who I am. I've definitely been in like lots of different situations and being open, curious, learning, growing, mm-hmm. questioning. It's an amazing thing. And I just love that moment when someone opens up, when they 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 might have their arms crossed and they're kind of a bit standing away from the crowd and you just go up to them. I'm so overpowering sometimes. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Um, so, yeah, but I love that moment when um, you can see that they trust you and yeah. they can open up and you can hold that space. And some people, they don't have someone that thinks they're interesting um not because they're not but because no one cares to ask and I deeply believe in the power of um two-way conversation and every time I'm speaking a lot I'll notice that and I'll notice when okay this person's eyes are starting to glaze over they don't really care about like me like my story of me riding my motorbike like they just don't really care and maybe it's time to like they need a bit more they need a bit more from me and I have plenty of amazing friends who will listen to any of my problems and mm-hmm. out. so I don't feel that need yeah. to like let stuff out when I see people but yeah, yeah. I, I love conversation love people and it's just the key to happiness and building uh, building resilience in yourself because you realize you're not alone yeah. you realize it's a wider community um you're not inside your head all the time you're connected with your tribe it's bloody mm. beautiful yeah. <laughs> and I think as well, you know, people are so desperate for connection and actually very open to sharing, but they just need the invitation. You know, once they've, you know, they've been asked the right questions, what they've said has been validated. Maybe the other person shared something. They're like, then it becomes a waterfall of like, here mm. is me. And, it, you know, you walk away feeling 
so connected and, and like you're having such a good time. Like, and I think I'd, I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I hate small talk because I know what it can be. You know, I've seen, I've seen you have the ability to just sit there and meet someone in a cafe. And within 15 minutes, you're talking about how, you know, their dogs are at their everything because they went through such a hard time. And I'm like, how does she do that? <laughs> you just... Oh, yeah. There's this really interesting study as well about it's about social threads. So in your life, often people build up all of their needs for socializing and blurt it out when they're at a party or when they're um, like at brunch or something. Um, but actually, a re- we're such social creatures and it's ingrained in our DNA to be social. So building those social threads throughout the day, like asking your brister, how are you? Um, smiling at someone just speaking to a coworker that you don't usually speak to. It doesn't have to be um, groundbreaking chats. It can just be about, you know, that those hellos and those touch points of connecting to your inner social being. Then by the end of the day, you you don't feel alone. You feel mm. like, oh, okay, I, I'm actually part of this wider community. There's a lot more going on. And I just remember I was really in in my head. Um, I've recently moved to Bali and I was like, oh, my God, why don't I have a huge group of friends in the first week? Because that's happened to me every time I moved to a new country. I've been able to build a group of friends mm. in the first week. And I was like, why hasn't it happened? I've only met like 50 people. I need <laughs> more people. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, instead of feeling bad about this, I'm just going to smile at some people. Like I'm just going to do a little experiment. I'm just going to smile at some people. The amount of smiles I got back and I just mm-hmm. felt like that connection with the with the community around me in just such little ways. I think it's a really beautiful way to combat loneliness and isolation because you're like, wait a second, that beautiful woman riding a motorbike just gave me the nicest, most genuine smile. How can I feel alone right now? And you open up that and it the world opens up as well. Oh, I just love that so much because I think we are in this epidemic of loneliness and disconnection. And it is those small moments of the fact that, you know, I sometimes I catch myself when I walk into my lift in my apartment and, you know, the person doesn't acknowledge that I've just walked into this tiny box with them. It's just head down. And, and there's times where I do it as well, where I'm the one who's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to look at you. And then we just go in silence for like 30 seconds down in this box. And it just makes me think, why? Why is it that this person lives right next door to me and I haven't looked in their eyes? That's so unnatural. You know, we were evolved to live in community, to know the people around us. And, oh, I just think it's the absolute best little experiment to be like, I remember one time I did, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to try and catch eye contact and smile to as many people as I could. You know, and for a little while, you feel a bit like you like, like, like they look up and you're just like gazing them down. But and there's there's twenty percent of people who don't smile back, and that's their own stuff. But oh my gosh, you smile and someone smiles back, and you're like, oh, I am held in this like web of humanity. Yes, it is yeah. self one hundred and one because yeah, we we are social beings mm-hmm. and. Without that, it's all the anxieties, all the frustrations, all the pain. When you go to independent, when you close your door at the end of the day and block out the world, and without those little interactions, it, it's it's a very difficult life because you go more and more into your head. You go more and more into your independence. You become like a, 
do it to an extreme state. You, you have like sort of narcissistic tendencies because when I'm alone for too long, I'm just thinking about myself and I'm just thinking about my problems and what I'm doing and all this stuff. When you say too long, you mean 20 minutes for yourself. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <like> one second. <laughs> Um, but when I'm, yeah, when I'm out and about, when I'm speaking to people at work, I always try to build relationships at work, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm always like, even at my gym, like we're going cold plunge with people and we chat in the sauna and all these, all these areas. Um, and also helps that I'm one of seven children as well. Mm-hmm. So I have this huge family. So every time the, the, the socializing never ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're so used to just noise and and <laughs> conversation all the time um but I think it's true you know especially for people who are quite say introverted or shy I know it's like akin to like getting your head ripped off going and having a walk where you go and talk to people or look at people but I think it's such a it's such a doable step yeah. you know to open yourself up it's not like okay go and join some club of you know yes. that you're interested in that's that's too much but can you start looking up you know, can you start looking at the world around you? Can you start looking at the pe- the person across from you on the train? Yeah, really catch their eyes and smile, and it's just, you know, this small little one percent habit that we can introduce into our life to just help us feel more connected and more seen as well. And I mean, you you attract what you give out to the world, Amen. and especially for introverts. Um, it doesn't have to be this long-winded conversation about your origin story. It can be as simple as, I hope you have a really great day today and mm. thank you for really yummy coffee like you did awesome or yeah. little compliments that you can give someone. And sometimes people will launch into a discussion about their lives and you're, yeah. like, <laughs> you're like, boundaries. <laughs> nightmare. But um, if you are curious, open and chatting to people and just small little comments throughout the day, um, it's it's beautiful how much richness that adds to your life. I love that word. It is. It is this like this deep, this deep richness. Yeah. Um, one thing we're going to get back onto work because we have taken a side street and I love this <laughs> side street, but people are like, um, oh, excuse me, I want to know whether I need to quit my job. And here we are like <laughs> smile at people. But um, <laughs> I, one of the things I love the most from how to win friends and influence people is if you have a thought of someone that is nice, tell them that is the quickest way to build connection. Like if you are at the bank and you love the woman's curly hair, say to her, my God, I think you have such beautiful hair. No one walks away from that interaction losing you know, I I can remember a time, like this is probably over 10 years ago, where I was on a train and a woman just stops me. Like we're, we're sitting across from one, one another and she's like, I'm so sorry. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I think you have really beautiful eyes. Yeah, it's 10 years and I'm still talking about it. You know, <laughs> and I walked off that train thinking I could probably like run the United Nations. Like I was yeah, just like, you're like fluttering your eyelids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it just, you know, those small moments. If you have an intrusive thought and it's a good one, say it. Yes. Kindness to strangers and small compliments. Mm-hmm. I, I think people get told so often that they're doing a bad job, that they need to update this, that they need to change this. And the inner critic is always going on about how many things they want to change. So when someone takes one second out of their day to just say, hey, like you have really great posture or like 
Yeah. Wow, your teeth are amazing. These are my two favorite compliments because I'm so jealous of people with good posture. They when you when you take a moment to compliment it, the oxytocin, mm-hmm. the serotonin that gets released from these small exchanges, and then that connection to your deep ancestral being of being a social creature, all of that is happening around you and it is impossible to feel isolation during that time. There has been not one person that I've given a compliment to that has been like, screw you, <laughs> out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> you bitch. Um, yeah. And and it doesn't, I know it's different for a lot of people. Like if um if you're in a different scenario or if someone doesn't feel safe or whatever, but you opening up that space, giving someone a compliment in a very neutral way, mm-hmm. like, hey, like you, you look really happy today. And mm-hmm. that is really cool to see. And then for the rest of the day, you're on this high and you'll remember that moment, you know, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love mm-hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as well, like you said, it doesn't need to necessarily be physical, especially if you're a man, you know, complimenting yeah. a woman, you know, you want to just be mindful. But it is those like creative compliments where it's like if someone says like you're you're pretty, it's like, oh, thank you. But if someone says like you have great posture. Yeah. Oh, oh you know, or if someone says like, I love your energy, you know, or, you know, I haven't seen a dress, <laughs> I haven't seen a dress like that before. That's like, I love, I love it. That could be, <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, that interesting choice. I've never seen anyone do that, but yeah, just getting creative with, you know, what is it that you can notice about the beauty of humans? Yeah. And it's yeah. comes back to those I, I hate the word gratitude, but I love the word thankfulness because you're saying thank you constantly for things. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for helping me out with that project. But going beyond the thank yous of activities and into the thank yous for, all right, how incredible is this human being? I'm going to thank them by giving them a compliment about who they are. I love um, that so much. Sort of, those sort of thank yous for the human race. It just connects us and if there's anything I want to do in the world is I just want to feel more connected to humans, to the planet, all the good stuff. Oh, I I got like tingles all through like my <laughs> belly up to my chest. Thank you for the, you know, for the beauty of the human race. I think you are like your energy and your attitude is like, if we could bottle that up, that would be the perfect antidepressant. Gratitude That's- and connection. <laughs> that's so funny I, my friend and I were sitting in a car it was during the height of lockdown it was raining and we were just singing and dancing in the car like it was completely parked and someone m- makes us wind down the window and he says if I can bottle up your happiness I would and sell it I would be a millionaire mm-hmm. it's, it's it is true and it comes from these it, it doesn't come from you know doing an ice bath every day or you know I, I do have practices that help me be like this but it comes from people like mm. that is my source that is my fire um, I'm not like this when I'm isolated I'm not at all I'm only like this if I'm in community with people wow and mm. you're so right I think sometimes we can do all the practices and the practices are amazing right do your ice baths do your yoga morning run gratitude list journal do it do it all it's incredible <laughs> but it does not it will never substitute genuine connection and you can have all of the things but if you can't have one person that you can turn to and say I had a terrible day can I talk or someone that you can call when you've got a promotion or you've had a win then no amount of ice baths is gonna you know it's gonna fill that that void yeah 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 
I love that. Um, okay, we have gone on such a tangent that I almost <laughs> want to change what this podcast is about, but <laughs> we'll have to have you. I'm going to have you back on again for like a completely different. <laughs> oh my God, I feel so lucky. Fave podcast. <laughs> um, so why should someone care about their job being meaningful as opposed to just a means of money? Yes. So Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, incredible book. Mm-hmm. Basically, he a huge takeaway for me in that book was when people didn't have meaning in concentration camps, when they stopped thinking about their families, they forgot the will to live. They said, look, this is, I've given up. I don't have any meaning anymore. Mm-hmm. A couple of days later, they would pass away. So extreme case, you don't have meaning, you die. Mm-hmm. Similar things happen to you when you don't have meaning in your life, your person who you are starts to fade away. So if you are going day to day in this grind and you don't have things that give you that burst of meaning, that connection, then you'll see yourself fading. You won't smile as much. You'll hunch over a little bit more. You won't be as open to new experiences because you're not getting that sense of self that's so important in work. And there's lots of different types of work that you can do. Some people, your your job doesn't need to give you everything, by the way. So I'm talking about work as in it could be service, it could be volunteering, it could be a side hustle, it could be what you do outside of work that gives you that. So your work, if it lines up to your values in some sort of way and provides you what you need in that time in your life, that is more than good enough. You don't need to be changing the world or anything like that. So when you have um, a job, it's really good to see, all right, does this connect to some of my values? You know, is does it provide me stability? Does it provide me security? Does it? Am I working with good people? Um, is it a good mission of the company? And if, if it provides some of those things and if you're relatively enjoying that at work, you can start to positively affirm those parts of work. So for me, I obviously love people. So I was working a corporate job. Um, I'm really bad at sitting still and um, computer work, even though that's my whole my whole career. So, but my favorite part about work was the people. So I would positively affirm that part of the work. I would grow that part of work. I would nurture those friendships. I would make sure I was catching up with those people after work. Like, and I would really grow that section of work. And before I knew it, I had this really great experience at work because I'd be excited to go to work because I would be seeing all my friends. And similar thing, you know, if your work doesn't fit every criteria of your life, that is completely okay. There fits a few things. Like I love that my work enables me to solve problems and um, I really get a rush when I solve those different problems. And you positively affirm that area you grow that area and then you become sort of a key person of influence in that area as well. Mm. Um, If you're just saying it's all broken, I don't like any of it, I'm going to quit, the same thing's going to happen at your next job and you're going to continually repeat those patterns. So I'd say for work, that's a really good way to start and knowing when to quit as well, knowing when you're completely miserable, Mm. when you've lost your spark, like Mm -hmm. it's okay. You can can move on. There's lots of opportunities. but yeah, finding your values, positively mm-hmm. where you see those values in your work um, is really important. Now, there's really the path that I've taken with my life is the entrepreneur journey because not because I don't respect 
nine till five work, but because I wasn't really um, crew, my my makeup and how I was as a kid and who I am now, it didn't fit into that. Um, the the nine till five work week was created by Ford Motor Company, so it was it was it's an outdated work practice. Um, where people had to come into a factory, they had to work a certain thing, and you think of the cog and wheel, cog and a wheel. This similar mindset when it came to work. So, it's what they call um, home labor. So you basically had to have um, a huge workforce to achieve the goals of the industrial age, and they had to all come into the same place. They had to do very similar tasks. Um, you had to be, you know, you had to have your candlestick makers. You had to have your butchers, you have to have all these people slotting into roles of society in order to make it run properly. Mm-hmm. So our school system very much reflects that as well. It's about building these skills so you can fit um, your human into a role in society, um, like a specific job title. But lucky for our amazing age, and this is why I'm so grateful to be living in this new world because mm-hmm. I would have really struggled if I was... Um, <laughs> Working on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Um, We have a new new fragmented work style. So the digital age and um, expedited by COVID, we have the ability to work remotely, have global workforces, start our own businesses, market ourselves through social media and grow these, um, you know, uh, multi-million dollar organizations if we want to. And you see that, I'm not really so much inspired by um, Warren Buffett and Mark Cuban. I'm really inspired by 19-year-olds on TikTok who are so naive and they're just growing million-dollar businesses because they're like, oh, yeah, I just YouTubed it, followed the steps, and now it's happening. We're still in this mindset of, okay, I need to sell my time and my labor because that's how we've been conditioned, which is absolutely fair enough. No one was, no one even told me that I could be in marketing. No career counselor told me. I just had to find it myself. And same with entrepreneurship. I just had to find it myself. I didn't, um, I was never told by anyone you you should be this or you can be this. Mm. What I love in that is the idea that you know, whatever you're doing is based on an understanding of what you are good at and what you thrive at. So it really is this internally driven process rather than what's going to make me a ton of money. You know, it's, um, I mean, and that is important and that's helpful and that's fine. But also, again, I guess coming back to that idea of it's an extension of who you are and what you're passionate about. And so that when you are doing work that feels maybe monotonous or it's stretching you or it's boring or whatever it is, there is still this kind of internal motivation to to keep mm. going because it matters to you. What would you say to the person who is kind of comfortably complacent in their job that says like, I make my money per hour. I do my, you know, I put in like kind of the bare minimum. I get paid. Am I passionate about it? No. Do I love it? No. But it you know, it gives me enough money to pay my bills. You know, what What are your thoughts on a kind of an attitude like that? And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but as someone who has gone out and created a job that they're genuinely passionate about and fires them up, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm not always passionate about work either. Sometimes I hate it, sometimes I love it, but I'm proud of myself because I'm on the journey. And I'm mm. able to learn and grow and experience things. 
Um, I'd say for the person who is complacent in work, they don't really know what to do, they're a bit stuck, um, first, just forget about work for a second. Think about what you care about. What brings you meaning in your life? Um, Is that, you know, you really enjoy exercise or you really enjoy um, being around people or you really, but keep it very broad or you really enjoy giving back to your community. Um, So first, like find your values. What what are they? Um, And everybody has values. You know what you value. Like <laughs> even yeah. if it's bad, I don't know. You know what you value. You could you could value money. You could value family. Value these things. So write down your values. And well, then I guess look- I guess looking at what makes you feel something. You know, like yes, you said, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you going to India that made you feel tingly. Okay, we can do the positive stuff. What makes you feel energized? What makes you feel excited? What makes you want to show up and wake up? Mm-hmm. But what makes you angry? What makes you really, really irritated? You know, using that as kind of our internal compass to show us what does matter Um, and using that that as feedback. Like I've had jobs that I've just fucking hated and it bled into the rest of my life. I remember when I was like early 20s at uni, I worked in a – um you call it like I worked in a gambling lounge so my job was to come around and deliver drinks you remember that one (laughs) my job was to go around and deliver drinks to people who were on the pokies and first few weeks fine whatever it's a job but after a while I became very very depressed I did not Mm. want to go to work I dreaded it I would I remember I would sneak out and go to the bathrooms and cry you know and I when I look back at it now you know I was in this dark room for like a 10-hour shift because they get rid of natural lighting it's all like this artificial flashing lights, really loud, mismatched sounds, and people who are chronically addicted and depressed. And being around that for eight, 10 hours, you know, a shift, you know, it bled into my life. And I was like, oh, I hate my relationship. I hate my friends. I hate my body. And, you know, it wasn't until I went to therapy and Gail was like, you are picking up on the energy of that place. You need to leave. And I did. And I was like, oh, it turns out I don't hate everything. I just was in a job that was not landing well with me and listening to that, trusting that. um, Because I think we spend too much time at work for it to not be something that we are okay with. In the same way as like we spend too much time asleep that it's not okay to not have a good mattress. Yeah, exactly. You spend more time at work than you do with your loved ones, than you do doing your favorite hobbies than you do in anything besides Mm. sleep. So this is Mm. not something to be taken lightly. This is something to be taken as your most valuable, important decision besides, you know, marriage and kids and that sort of thing. But your (laughs) your 20 is like one of your most valuable things to consider, to think about, to unpack. Mm. Um, So I absolutely love what you said about you can find your joy and find your bliss. But also if you're feeling like shit, find the things about your work that make you feel so bad and start there. Be like, okay, if I really can't take this type of this type of work anymore, what's the opposite of that? So the opposite of a dark room, I want windows at my work. Yes. Okay. Opposite of negative people. I want to be around people who are positive and have a mission and who are energized. Mm. Um so it doesn't have to be the specific career choice. It's not like you need to change careers. It's just like you need to start to be clear about what you want. Um, and that's a great to do it from negative, flipping negative experiences into yeah. positive. 
you know, one one of the um, therapeutic modalities that I work it, with is called ACT or acceptance and commitment therapy, which sounds like couples therapy. It is not. Um, I remember I was like 15 and my therapist was like, we're going to do acceptance and commitment therapy. I was like, I've never kissed a boy. This is not necessary. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's not that. But it's about fundamentally what matters in life? Mm-hmm. What are your values? Okay. That is your North Star because that's what you're going to build your life on, your values. If you really, really value your relationship, you will come home from work half an hour early and maybe miss out on that promotion or not go for the drink or, you know, a network because what matters to you is making sure that you have energy left over for your partner. And yes, it's going to come with some consequences, but what matters? Well, what matters to me is my fitness. I'm going to get up an hour earlier and go for a walk, whatever it is, you know, Mm. that we put those at, um, at the front when making our decisions, you know, that a part of ourselves doesn't need to kind of die or, or move over when making these really big decisions about our life, you know, just like a really healthy relationship would never ask you to forego an important part of yourself, a job, given that we're there for, you know, 40 hours a week or whatever it is for each person should never ask a part of you to have to, or a really important part of you to have to get pushed to the side. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, um, it's, it's very difficult when you're in a rut to feel all right what, what are my values what's my purpose in work um mm-hmm. so i'd like to just say the really famous ikigai the japanese principle of finding your purpose you get a sheet of paper really simple you write down what you're good at what you get paid for what your mission is and what the world needs and then at the intersection of all of those things you have your ikigai your purpose and then once you have that ikigai that purpose um you feel like you you kind of have a bit of a vision that's when all the cool stuff starts to happen the visualization and the creation of your own reality and in not a hippie way um in a very scientific um and structured way where you can visualize something and feel something enough and it's connected to you and what you love and who you are and also what you hate so you have that belief um, that it can happen. So, um, yeah, that's that's when you can start to become the archi- architect of your own life, which is very exciting stuff. I love that, yeah. And, you know, allowing what it is that you feel to, like, help you take your next step, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that you said in a non-hippie way, and I'm here for that. I'm here for, like, the empirically, you know, validated ways of uh, But I'm also here for the hippie stuff. My personal thing that I would never put on my clients is like trusting that Mm. there is some energy, source, God, universe, goddess, whatever you want to call it, Mm. that can participate in this journey of creating a life that feels meaningful and aligned. And knowing that everything that is happening for you on this journey can be used for your growth. And like you said, building that muscle, you know, it is so easy to kind of collapse and retreat when we fail at things because it's just in our human nature to not like rejection, failure, humiliation, whatever it is. And so the choice to continue on is that it's it has to be a choice. And I think understanding that failure is not optional if you're going to live a life that feels good. It is it is bound to happen. It's supposed to happen. And in fact, 
not only can we get through it, we should be open to it and learn to get good at failing. What happened? What went wrong? What part of me needs to grow? You know, can I talk to myself with compassion when I'm met with shortcomings? Mm, yeah, I found also um, laughing about it and turning it into a part of the adventure as well. So mm, yeah. recently, like, yeah, I work in social media. I obviously need my phone. I was riding a motorbike and my phone got ripped from the motorbike when I was trying to find it on maps and I got robbed and then hacked afterwards. So I was just in this like, oh, what am I doing? Why did I come to Bali? What's going on? And I was really upset. Reached out to a few friends, felt a bit better, went to yoga, felt a bit better. But the thing that really helped me was um, realizing that I'm in a stressful position. Usually Mm -hmm. I'd want to give up. Usually I'd want to run away. But I've outgrown that. Like um, I just, my vision and all of that work that I've done to focus on what I want that outweighs um, the trying to retreat and trying to run away. So I'm trying to um, actually build that neuroplasticity in myself. Um, do you feel like even like your recent move to be um, more running your own show, have you had mm-hmm. to push through a lot of those blockages within yourself and, um, yeah, become become sort of a different version of you, like that metamorphosis? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, forever this internal, I don't even want to say tug of war because it sounds like they're in conflict, but I always think of like myself as like there's a round table and everyone gets a seat, right? There's the part of myself that's um, terrified of judgment because I've also judged people who step out and go online and and do that whole thing. There's a part of me that is overly ambitious and that says, I want to, you know, get a TED talk in three months. And if I don't do that, then, you know, why have you done anything? Why have you tried to do anything or whatever? Um, you know, and then there's there's just all these different parts of me. There's the the part that gets bored, there's a part that gets anxious, there's a part that gets that feels really proud. And I allow all of those parts to have their say but that doesn't mean that we're going with their ruling, you know, because I think my higher self, the person that I want to be is the person that says, um, you know, fear, I hear you. I see you. Great points. Thank you for doing your job. Your job is to look out for all the things that could go wrong. You're very good at that. Thank you. Noted, but we're in charge. (laughs) You know, you don't need to be in charge. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to choose to lead with, with optimism, I'm going to choose to move forward with, um, with, with hope, with excitement, with love, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think so, and I think as well, it's it's what's really helped me. And I guess this isn't really like a life hack that you can generalize out, but I think you know my partner is so grounded and level headed, and when I feel myself going up, he's really good at just helping me come back down. And I think, you know, yeah, yeah, just having someone so secure that can just hold me in it and, um, you know, kind of be that voice of reason when, you know, all the voices are kind of getting into, getting into fights. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. I think that's why it's so important to have people, you know, it doesn't need to be a romantic partner, but someone in your life that gives a shit about what's going on in your life and who can kind of reflect things back to you and say, hey, you might need to be a little more patient or, hey, maybe this needs a little more attention. 
Yeah. Mm, that's so beautiful. And that's why, yeah, we are such social creatures is because mm. we emotionally regulate with others. There's mm-hmm. only so much self-development you can do before you just need to be like, hey, like reach out to a close friend and yeah. just tell them what's going on. And then when it comes out of your head and into the open, it's so much easier to deal with. Um, but yeah, one thing I want to say about sort of changing your mind and because it's really hard to do, you've got all these patterns, you're trying to move forward in your life. Um, it's, you can't expect you to achieve greater results by being the past version of yourself. So if you're showing up at a cocktail dinner in a Macca's uniform, you you can't expect that, you know, you'll get the response that you want. So it's like you need to upgrade your uniform in order to achieve those goals that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's going to feel really awkward at first. Like I um, always wanted to be a morning person and I always wanted to, I was a very heavy drinker, not like in a depression not in an alcoholic way, but in a, I would always go out. Like I wanted to chat to people. I was so social and I was always drinking um, and I wanted to change that. And I also wanted to um, like make this business a lifestyle business as well. Mm-hmm. All of those things. And they're really important to me. Um, so I just had to get into action. Um, like I had to just start doing them, saying to myself, that's an outdated version. You need it. Mm-hmm. It's, new model is coming you just don't want to keep on repeating these same same patterns like you're going to be like this for the rest of your life if you keep repeating that so I became aware of my patterns started to practice this new thing and it's pretty nuts within like a couple of weeks I was yeah waking up at uh, 6 30 I was not drinking like I haven't been drunk once since I started to set this stuff up mm-hmm. um and yeah like a lot of things changed quite quickly but it it comes from that whole experience of visualizing what you really want mm. and feeling that and, and experiencing that and understanding that this is this is the higher goal of what I want for my life. And then you sort of like dredge through the mud, like you're like, ugh, like like you're getting out of this skin and like into something else. And yeah, it's it's so weird at the start. But then you look back mm. on yourself doing that, like that, that caterpillar changing to a butterfly. And you're like, oh, thank thank God I did that because I don't want to be stuck in these same old patterns. Like I don't want to be scrolling YouTube for five hours a night. Like I want to change. Um, and, yeah, it's worth yeah. changing. Yeah, worth and changing. you've given yourself time for that positive feedback loop to kick in because the first morning that you get up at 6 a.m. to go for a walk or whatever it is, it's not going to feel good. You're like, yeah. oh, I just want five more minutes. But if you give that enough time, you know, sorry, if you give that enough um, repetition, you know, ultimately you'll start to feel better because you're getting sunlight in your eyes in the morning, your body's tighter at the end of the day because it's been used. And so by the time it's 9 p.m., you're ready to go to bed. And then because you've been to bed at 9 p.m., your body's ready to wake at 6 a.m. And you've just given it time to reset and being able to stay committed in that period of adjustment. You know, I, I often think when it comes to neuroplasticity, the analogy I always give was, do you remember when you first learned to drive? Like, do you remember your first ever lesson? Oh God. Trying to drive. Like it was so much effort. Yeah. We had, you had, there was so much to think about. It did not come naturally. It was so stressful and it felt um, so beyond what you could do. You know, I remember like holding the wheel. I was like squeezing it for dear life. 
I didn't know how much pressure to put on the brake or the accelerator. So it like bunny hopping back and forth. I'm like, how many mirrors do I need to look at? It was so much. But over time, my brain just got used to, okay, this is what you're going to do. If you're going to merge, this is how you look into the the mirror and keep the wheel straight over time, you know, and now it's to the, to the you know, to the, um, it's at the point where I can, you know, listen to a podcast, drive, check the directions, look out around me. It's just so ingrained that I gave myself those 120 hours or whatever it is that we need to do to get our peas that it is now second nature. And that's what habits are, right? Getting up, that. Yeah. 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 Getting up early doesn't feel right for a while. You just need to train it into your body and be patient with yourself to allow that new version of yourself. Like you said, you know, you know, that is who I was. And someone new is coming through. And can we just give time and space for that person to be birthed and to be, you know, in the driver's seat, so to speak? Yeah. And the the idea of you, it's way more benefit to be able to drive and get around and do all these great things yeah. to overcome that fear of driving. And say, for instance, if you hit a pole or if you um, have this bad experience, that can often get you to retreat, but you'll still go back to the car and be like the benefit of me going and hanging out with my friends and doing this cool stuff, like mm. that is better. So those, the benefit of driving, it should be similar to your goals or your vision for your life. The benefit of me being able to work overseas, work remotely, um, do work, do, do work that changes my life, um, be in a cool community. That benefit is greater to me than, oh, no, I don't want to wake up in the morning. Like I just am really like tired. Like I don't want to go to sleep on time. Like yeah, it's better. Like the benefit is a lot higher. So um, it can push me through that um, awkward change mm. state. Mm. And I love that image of like the the caterpillar being turned into the butterfly. You know, we either think of the caterpillar or the butterfly, but we don't talk about that little whatever the thing that is in the cocoon and just being okay with being that version constantly because, you know, one thing that I often speak about is, you know, as soon as that butterfly emerges, then it's ready to go to a new environment and it doesn't suit that form. You know, it's a constant act of birth and death, rebirth, death, rebirth, death. You know, we're growing and, um, you know, we have to get good at, at being like, oh, I'm not – ready for this phase yet, but that old, that phase isn't me, you know, um, you know, yeah. it's kind of like I'm in two rooms and it's who I was and who I'm becoming. And I'm not in either room. I'm kind of just in the corridor. And I, I, I love the idea of the blank slate and knowing that in life we get to start again over and over and over again. And, you know, I would love to move to Bali. I can't cause I have two dogs and I don't want to get separated from them, but you know, there's lots of people who can't get up and move their life because they have kids, they have a mortgage, whatever it is. But just knowing that, you know, the ability to start again is always there. And whether it's maybe it's a holiday, every time I go on holidays, I come back refreshed and old stuff that kind of got stuck has, you know, been washed out. Mm. And even just last night, I was in a yin class. I was like, I had so much coming up this week and I was kind of sick on the weekend. And I was like, I have no space for anything. Like I'm on a hamster wheel. I'm going, 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 going. Like, you know, it's Sunday night and I don't feel any more refreshed than I did 
you know, on Friday night. And the teacher just said, it got, we got to the end of the practice and he said, you know, we're doing all our gratitudes. And he said, this next inhale, can you breathe in and create space for the week to come? And as soon as I took this inhale, I don't know where, but all of this mental and emotional space just came. And I'm like, oh, there's just there's space again. Like I can just start again. I can step off the hamster wheel, take a breath and get back, not on the hamster wheel, but get back to doing what I'm doing at a slower pace, at a more present pace. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I just breathed then. Like I, I'm not a meditator at all, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll be like thinking about something so much, so worried. And I'm like, wait a second, this could potentially not even be true. Probably isn't true. I don't actually need to think about this. Mm. And um, what's yeah, what's helped me is like having scheduled time because I often think about work. So having scheduled time to think about work, to do work, and then all the other time is like free reign. So mm. um, yeah, it's really nice to like break that habit yeah. and yeah. that um that perpetual cycle of um thoughts. Yeah, and like you said, you know, it's that is a meditation almost trick just knowing that at any moment you're free to drop everything and it really is that simple you know where I go okay I've got 10 million things to do at work and I just notice that I'm doing this I notice that I'm looking at my to-do list and I'm panicking and I'm once I notice it I go oh you can just put that down for a second and it might come back up and that's okay but you know learning to break identification with thought is my god a game changer you know, everyone should meditate. Everyone should bloody meditate. It's, you know, it's one of those annoying things that it's like, it's everyone says it, but it's like the reason mental health, like professionals keep saying meditate is because it bloody works. (laughs) Yeah. I want to start so badly. And there's been so many times that I've tried. Um, but yeah, I guess like my version of meditation and, um, an ex-boyfriend taught me this. He talks about the idea of beautyism where it's, seeing the beauty in every everything and being aware of the mm. beauty in nature of the way the sunlight um goes across the grass mm. or the way that someone smiles and like having that connection and that's sort of the awareness part and then my version of meditation with the being aware of my thoughts is when something comes up that's a blockage or that's a pattern mm. I'm trying to catch it like catch it in a net and be like this is not going to help you with the vision. Like, And I love the idea of catching it. I remember one practice I have is, um, you know, to whenever I catch that unhelpful thought or, or whenever I catch something that I can't control, mm. you know, is this person going to break up with me or like am I going to get evicted from my house or is it going to be a natural disaster? Whatever it is, beyond my control. I catch the thought and whatever form it's in, whether it's in words, whether it's in a feeling, and then I imagine holding it and I like peg it out towards the universe. And I'm like, that's uh, yours now. You know, <laughs> and whether you can, you can, whatever, <clears throat> if you believe in God, if you believe, and if you don't, can you maybe put it out into the ocean? I'm mm. sure you believe in the ocean, <laughs> you know, can you put it into something bigger than you to just um, let its grip on you soften? Mm. What What's helped me so much um, and the it's the, so first thing that's like really helped me see the progression of my mind has actually been um, tying my goals to some sort of physical goal as well. Um, I used to like not even be able to catch a ball 
at school like I was like trying to like do like the long jump and I'd be like tripping on my face um so I was never sporty at all but um I definitely think I have like a determined mindset um and I don't have the idea that like oh I can't do this I better not I like really like go for it so I started to get into triathlons half marathons um and then eventually like like massive bike rides swimming four kilometers and doing all of these things where I could notice the thought but then my goal was say like four kilometers so I noticed the thought I'm tired I don't know like should I do this should I just go hang out with my friends but the goal was already there and I would like be practicing pushing through that mindset and it was really great for me because at the end of it I'd be like wow like I just swam four kilometers that's awesome but then the practice of pushing through like no 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 like the goal's there the goal's there because when it's internal it's sometimes a very confusing state and it's hard to practice those muscles because there's a lot happening and there's a lot going on when you have a focused attention on all right I'm going to push through this with um, my exercise routine or I'm just going to push myself a little bit further like run through the line um, rather than stop like a meter before the finish line and it builds a lot of self-confidence I think, and it's been um, been a huge godsend for me. Yeah. So, just to clarify, is what you're saying, um, bring your kind of non physical goal into the physical? So, for example, like say you're like, oh, I want to, I don't know, set up a website. Mm. When you're swimming or when you're running, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm so, I'm in so much pain, I want to stop. You kind mm. of put the website into the into the pain of running and be like no I'm going to keep going it so once you when you cross that line although you've done it physically you have kind of um shown yourself that you can get through it is that what you're saying yeah so it's like um understanding your potential um and understanding how to push through that little bitch inside your head so um it, it makes me feel like I can trust myself when mm. I Day, I'm gonna like yesterday I was like I'm gonna swim a kilometer but at the pool that I'm at in Bali there was like a kid foam party and there was like a kid running across the pool in a Zorb ball and I was like <laughs> I'm still gonna do it so I was like swimming laps through the freaking foam scared of it in the Zorb ball but I kept that commitment to myself yeah. and then afterwards I felt great and I pushed through those thought patterns so that same framework can be applied to business where it's a little bit you know more difficult to understand there's more things going on but um I can keep that commitment to myself to push through my blockages to be consistent Mm. to focus on what I actually want same thing with waking up in the morning if I've swum one kilometer with the foam then I can also wake up in the morning so you're building this um this this faith and this trust in yourself which Mm. is really well I guess you know, self-confidence is not about standing in the mirror saying, I can do it, I can do it. It's about creating enough evidence that downing yourself wouldn't make sense, you know? And I think that's why it's so important to have integrity, which is I say, sorry, I do what I say. And in that way, I trust myself. You know, I'm sure we all have that friend who, you know, we say, hey, we're going to meet up for coffee at 1230. And it's like, you know, 1245 and they haven't shown. And then you get a message saying, sorry, slept in, I'm canceling, whatever it is. They do that once. Okay. They do it consistently. You know what to expect of them. And then you probably might stop 
scheduling coffee with them. But the same thing happens with us. If I constantly say, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m., but every time it comes to 6 a.m., I press the alarm and don't get up till 9.30, then I don't trust myself when I set goals. Um, I, I love um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if you've read that, but he talks about the importance of 1% improvements. You know, we often say, I want to be fit. And so in this like very dopamine driven state of motivation, we're like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a half marathon. But it's like, we're going from zero to a hundred and our body is not going to consent to that. We might be able to keep up the motivation for like a few days, but after a while it just overwhelms the system and our body shuts down. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, if we want longevity, what's going to get us there? Okay. Well, maybe instead of running a half marathon, every time I have the choice of taking the stairs or the lift, I take the stairs. Now that doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, I'm changing my life, but that's sustainable. You Mm -hmm. know, it's, you know, okay, I want to get fit. So I'm going to go back to the gym. Well, I fucking hate the gym, Mm -hmm. but I love swimming in the ocean. I love Mm -hmm. going to dance classes, like you said, and it's, can I trust what excites me and motivates me again to move me forward. Like you said, I'm going to eat healthy. I don't like broccoli, so maybe my healthy food is going to be spinach, whatever it is. You'd yeah. be surprised by how much, how many healthy things you actually like. Um, <laughs> it's, it seems like this big, horrible thing, like I want to get healthy, I want to focus, I want to make side hustle income, I want to do this stuff. But when you start to do it, it's so difficult. But um yeah, there's there's so many healthy things that are actually so enjoyable and mm. are the best part of your day. Like if you wake up, get a coffee, go walk along the beach, mm. watch sunrise, like that is the best part. Like it's so nice. And mm. um and yeah, so I I love health. I still like I'm always like, pass me the vape and I want to drink <laughs> like champagne and like do all this stuff. But I love health because it's it's one of like the most fulfilling parts of my day and um i i don't wait for motivation i just kind of like set stuff up mm. and then go on autopilot with it like cuz mm. every time i'm like i'm going to be motivated to exercise in the morning or something i just need to set it up plan it out have everything set up in a system and then go on autopilot um and crunch through it mm. Mm. i love that um, I wanted to just touch back on um the idea of of failing at our goals and failing in our habits. And have you ever heard of the um region beta paradox by Dan Gilbert? No. So it's this idea that, you know, comfortable complacency can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then in fact, things not working out or things getting harder can actually be the best thing for us. Mm-hmm. And so he explains that um you know, say for example, you had to walk a kilometer to work in the morning, you know, it might take you 10 minutes to walk one kilometer. And then your job says, Hey, actually we're going to move a little further down. You know, we're changing offices. It's now four kilometers. Now it would take you 40 minutes to walk there. So you're like, no, screw it. I'm going to get a motorbike. I'm going to get a car and I'm going to drive. And so actually it takes you less time to get somewhere further than it would have to get somewhere closer walking. And so sometimes things have to get worse in order for us to get better at them. You know, they finally become uncomfortable enough when we're like, fuck, okay, I've got to change something. And Mm. having that frame of like, okay, I just got fired. Okay. My partner broke up with me or, um, 
you know, I, I absolutely bombed in that meeting or whatever it is. It's like, okay, where could this be an opportunity for growth? You know, one thing that a friend of mine said to me years ago that just stuck with me, you know, I was in the middle of something really difficult and she said, you know, but you don't know how this chapter ends. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I assumed that I was at the end of the chapter, that it failed. Okay, that's it. Book closed. But what happens if that was just setting the scene for the the story to actually unfold? You know, you don't know where this story goes. Your girlfriend broke up with you. Good. Maybe that's the kick in the ass you needed to finally look at your communication patterns, you know, or finally got fired because you were committing to a work, a role that just wasn't aligned with what you're good at. Yeah. At the start of this year, I um was like one of marketing my first business. It was so overwhelming for me. It was my first business relatively did relatively well, but my mm-hmm. um, mental health, my physical body, just like who, my spark was like draining. I was trying to manage staff and clients and clients were signing up and then cancelling and then signing up. And then, and it was just so um, hard to be on this um, roller coaster of financial stress, of team stress, of taking on so many burdens myself um, that, yeah, I just completely was like, I give up. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to do this, and I did quit, um, quit that business, and then yeah, went went traveling, and then when I was traveling, I think I told you, um, I was on this solo bike ride through a, a different country, and at the end, I was like feeling so powerful and feeling so good about myself, and then um, was like, okay, I need to catch a taxi back to the border. A guy was like, yep, yeah, come into the come into the cab, um you can I'll drop you to the border realize that within five minutes he wasn't a cab driver he was groping me and grabbing me and saying Mm -hmm. I'll take you back to my farm and um, basically put me in a really compromised position I eventually Mm -hmm. got out but that was such a powerful moment where like I just had to address all of my feelings and emotions and stuff towards that certain topic because it was so powerful and so Mm -hmm. all-encompassing and I had to curl up in a ball and um, be upset and grieve um, not only that time but many times that those types of things had happened to me mm-hmm. and it's not like you have to hit rock bottom but sometimes um, in order to like get out of your mind and into your body and start to feel these, mm-hmm. these the weight of these things um, yeah you're just having these awful moments and that that wasn't like a personal failure but in a way it was like this it's it's what life is you know you're on this high you've achieved this great thing and then you get crushed down to earth and then you're trying to like make sense of it all and then you feel good again and then you feel bad again and um yeah it's like it's not about like the highs and how great you can be at um your habits or whatever it's actually just about being able to weather a storm and feel through things and be there for yourself when things are really tough. And that goes for anything. If you can feel really shit, but then later, like you can sort of crawl your way back up and continue on your path. And Mm -hmm. that's a really beautiful, um, Mm -hmm. beautiful way to be um, because it's always, always horrible things are going to be happening all the time. Beautiful things are going to be happening all the time. It's like, can you go back to what you planned and yeah. if you can hell yeah wow i um i mean thank you so much for sharing that story i know that that must have been 
terrifying and just, you know, such a difficult period. So I'm really grateful that you you shared that. And I think what's so beautiful about that is that, you know, I'm not a believer that when it comes to big traumas like that or little traumas or whatever, however that kind of felt for you, that that happened for a reason. And it was supposed, you know, it happened to teach you something. I don't think that, you know, these bad things happen to us for a reason. What I see is that something bad happened to you and something really uncomfortable and really traumatic happened. And you did that Victor Frankl attitude of, you know, okay, if I've got nothing left, what can I kind of turn this into? You know, it's, you know, when when things are taken from us, the only thing that we have left is is our attitude and how we feel towards it. And you were able to to use it, to use this kind of really terrible situation and turn it into this moment of growth and insight and development. And that's a real power. And again, I don't think that that happened to you so that you could do that. I think that that was a choice that you made. And I think it's a, a really powerful um, choice that you made to be able to look at suffering and turn it into reflection and wisdom and growth. Yeah. I know it's like when everything's going right, you're, you feel good, but you're mm. not, um, you're not shining a light on all of your blockages and your pain mm. and frustration because when you have all this shit that's happening inside you, it's so hard to put on a brave face and be confident and be like, oh, I feel so good. But throughout the, that whole experience, it dredged up all of these emotions. It was like this washing machine and it was it went through me and I mm. started to experience things and let emotions come up. And, and then um, when I came back to Melbourne, people were like, you just seem like like, like a layer of, a layer has been cleared off you Mm -hmm. or like something had happened Mm -hmm. where they were like, even your eyes are like brighter and you seem like something's been cleared away. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole process of shedding. So like my, like even at the moment I'm going through this stage where I'm feeling rebellious at work because I was a very naughty kid. I was smart, but naughty. And it's obviously like a 20 year problem now. Um, so some client pet person will tell me what to do. I'll be like, do what you do, but I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to be with that um, young Mia who was just super creative, like wanted to chat to people, didn't like being told what to do. I'm mm-hmm. trying to um, say it's okay. Like you don't have to keep fighting anymore. You can just go with the flow a little bit. You can just um, like connect with people and follow follow some systems that are there for a reason um Mm. and yeah and I think without that feeling and emotion towards something if you're just robotically going through things you'll slowly build resentment but if you're sort of like having these bad experiences at work um you're allowing the emotion to come up you're feeling it understanding it you're seeing if it's a blockage you're seeing if you're getting triggered and then you let it go shedding that skin and it's um It's definitely helped me a lot with um, getting to new stages of my growth. And, yeah. yeah, but it's you know the, what it, what you just shared was such a beautiful example of inner child work of noticing what story and what pattern is coming up for you in that moment that you weren't responding to the task and the person in front of you. You know, a younger version of yourself was coming up and saying like, "I don't want to be told what to do. I just want to create. Why am I? Why is my self-expression being stifled?" And just being able to talk to that younger version of yourself and say, "Hey, like, 
I see what you're trying to do and I'm really grateful for it. Um, but we're in a different situation now and you actually don't need to come out swinging as loud. So thank you for letting me know. I see you and I'm going to do something different, you know, and just really turning inwards and turning towards yourself. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. It's just like, at the moment, I'm just trying to be like, okay, like that emotions come up. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really fit into my vision and what I want for the next couple of months. So mm-hmm. thank you. But like it's a bit redundant now um mm-hmm. so i'm trying to do that process in order to get to where i want to be yeah. um and not be too hard on myself i mean the truth is we never arrive we never finish the work we never finish growing it's you know, that constant again that death and rebirth over and over again and that's the good news is it never stops and we get to just enjoy the journey and enjoy whatever version of ourself is is being made known yeah. um, how this feels complete for me this conversation is there anything that you wanted to anywhere you wanted to take it anything that you wanted to add um I guess it's like such a lame piece of advice but it's just be yourself find what you find what you like doing do it often with the people you like um and just sort of positively affirm the parts of your life that are working um Mm. because you probably have everything already in your life that is amazing and you can sort of continue to grow that and um like let go of old patterns and become more and more of who you're meant to be because it's not about becoming someone external or mm. becoming ex Obama. It's it's like becoming more of yourself by letting mm. go, shedding um shedding parts of who you once were that aren't serving you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's but it's not about becoming a different person. It's about becoming more you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. I've been ending all of my um podcasts with this one question. So I'd love to throw it at you. And you may have answered it already. Um, but what is one thing that life has shown you about yourself recently? That I am I am more than my past and I'm more than I could ever imagine. So my current my current reality right now mm-hmm. um, I am so much more than that and once I open up the doors of who I can be and let go of those blockages um, and believe um, yeah I can I can really start to become that person I want to be like I don't have to listen to my thoughts I don't need to um, say that oh like I'm not going to achieve this or I'm not going to achieve that 19 year old tiktokers can achieve things like yes. so can you it's not yeah. it's not as hard as you think it's like how to upgrade your past thoughts into your future reality mm, i love that well where can people find you if they want to connect with you oh yeah i have a very embarrassing instagram page um mia boya <laughs> b-o-w-y-e-r um i've started posting on my business page a little bit more as well one earth marketing mm-hmm. um, where you can see dogs being vaccinated for rabies um, and you can see all of the wildness of bali um, but yeah and if anyone actually wants to get more into the street street dogs if they love dogs if they really want to know more about street dogs you can email me at mia at bawabali.com b-a-w-a bali.com Amazing. Cool. 
Well, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. I'm so grateful <laughs> and um, I'm really glad that you are here on this earth. I know. So glad you <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, Rach. It's amazing. Thank you for listening to the Yogi Therapist Podcast. If you enjoyed what was discussed today, then consider subscribing and leaving a review. Check out the show notes for any additional information about what was covered here today. And you can find me at theyogitherapist.com.au or on Instagram at theyogitherapist underscore for more information on me and my therapy. Until next time.